Hey, we'll go ahead and get started. Thank you for uh, for coming to this session. I know, I know you probably feel like I do. Uh, I'm very grateful to the planners of this conference. We've got a number of the board members in here, and I really appreciate what you've done to put this together. Thank you. Uh, it's been a benefit to all of us. Uh, the fellowship that we've enjoyed, the encouragement that we've received, the ideas that have been shared, the instruction. Excellent. Thank you for what you've done. Um, <clears throat> let's begin with a prayer. Dear Lord, we're grateful for the ways you bless us. Thank you, Lord, that we can call upon you as our Father and know that you love us. We're grateful that we can be your children. We thank you, Lord, for each person who's here at this conference for the work that they do with young people. We ask, Lord, that you will help us to serve you well and to represent Christ in the lives of our youth. Help us to lead them to you each day and, and point them in your direction. And we pray especially now for their parents. We ask that you will bless us, Father, to encourage and work with and equip the parents of our teenagers. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This session is about equipping parents as spiritual leaders. When my generation started in youth ministry, uh, we were not expected to work with the parents. We were just expected to work with the teenagers. And I'll be honest with you that I was kind of intimidated by the parents. And uh, in a lot of ways, tried to avoid them at first. I kind of looked at parents, uh, and this is this is what I saw when I started in, in youth ministry. You know, I thought they're just from a different world. Uh, they're not normal, and uh, I couldn't relate to them. I'd never been a parent, and uh, this is kind of the viewpoint I had. But then the funny thing happened. We started working together at church camp and retreats and youth activities and I started to make a discovery they're normal people they're like me and we're on the same team we're trying to do what's best for the teenagers for their children and so all of a sudden they started looking like this uh, they, we just became friends and uh, they're normal folks so it's important that we understand that we're working together with parents. We're friends. Uh, we have their children's best interest in mind. We understand as Christians, when we look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, that we are involved in a battle, and it's a spiritual battle every day, a battle with Satan and the evil forces of this world. In order to fight this battle, we have to have the full armor of God. Parents are involved in a battle, and their battle is for the souls of their children. Uh, they are fighting against Satan. They are fighting against the temptations. They're fighting against an evil culture that is threatening to snatch their children's souls. Their, their children are being stalked. And so they have a tremendous battle that they're fighting every day. As People involved with youth and family ministry, we're in a unique position to help them to help provide equipment that will assist them in this spiritual battle to help them keep their children secure in the Lord. Why is it that we focus on parents? It's because they are the ones who have the lifetime influence in the lives of their children. When you just compare the time that we spend with the teenagers with the time that the parents invest, uh, there's no comparison. Uh, when we look at the time that we spend with teenagers during the school year in a regular week, what would it be, five or six hours? Compare that to the time that the parents spend. I know that sometimes that time's not uh, used appropriately or well, but they just have a whole lot more time invested in the children. When you think about the time that they spend from infancy through 
high school graduation and then on to that point where they actually leave the home. And David Shannon made a point that that's getting pushed further and further out uh, that time that they are in the home of the parents. But you know, you think about the time that we have with the teenagers, in my case, maybe six to seven years of intensive work. And as much as I want to continue to love and influence those children after high school graduation, I have to admit that in most cases, my work in their lives, my involvement in their lives falls way off. But guess what? Parents are still going to be involved. They're still going to be there for a lifetime. That's important, and that's where we need to see the value of this type of equipping and investment. I love this quote, and this is one of our recent high school graduates and her parents. Uh, what a great example they have been in parenting her, and uh, what a great investment they've made in, in her life. This quote is by Rick Lawrence, and he says... Nothing has more power to influence a teenager's life for good or ill than home and family. Every youth ministry hour spent equipping parents to nurture faith in their teenagers is like giving money to public television. Your gift is almost always doubled by a matching grant. Parents will always out-influence even a great youth minister. So it makes sense to invest where you get the best return. Don't you like a good investment? Well, for us, investing in the parents is wise. That's where you're going to get your best return. They have the long-term, lifelong influence and impact in the lives of those children. You're familiar with the book Sticky Faith and uh, by Chap Clark and Kara Powell. And their research is about finding ways to keep children faithful for the long run, for the long term, past high school and past youth group. Their conclusion in their research is that parents are the number one influence, but more importantly than that, they say that the greatest influence in keeping children faithful for the long term is how parents express and live out their faith on a daily basis uh, under the watchful eye of the children. In this session, we're going to be seeing what we can do in our position as youth and family workers to equip parents as spiritual leaders. Parents come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, they also have different spiritual needs. Some of the parents in your congregation are already going to be there as spiritual leaders. And isn't that a great blessing? We need to utilize these strong spiritual leaders to influence, impact, mentor the other parents. They can have a great influence by their interaction and uh, their, their association with the other parents. But you're also going to have some parents in your congregation who just need some encouragement and some training and some resources. They see the need to be spiritual leaders. They want to be spiritual leaders in their home. They just don't know how. Perhaps in their homes as they were growing up as children, they did not have spiritual leaders in their, in their home. They didn't have models for, for them. Some of the parents of your congregation do not understand the spiritual priority. And they are going to be parents that view spiritual growth and development as your department. They're busy. They have jobs. They are involved with their hobbies, their home improvement projects, gym memberships, vacations. The spiritual leadership is kind of low on the list for them. Now, they, they like church, and they're going to be at church. In fact, they're going to send their children to most of your activities. And the way they think is you are the spiritual expert. You're the one with the training. I'll send my children to you uh, for your devotionals and your classes, and you provide that spiritual input. 
just like they send their children to swim lessons to the swimming expert, uh, to karate lessons with the martial arts expert, and uh, piano lessons with the musician, they're sending their child to you for the spiritual input. In, in this case, we have to encourage them to see that their role is primary when it comes to spiritual nourishment. We cannot replace the parents. You're also going to have teenagers in your group who come from homes where there is nothing there spiritually. Their, their parents are not members of the church. They're not Christians. They have come to know Christ as, as teenagers, but the parents are not members of the Lord's body. And we have a responsibility to reach out to those parents and bring them to Christ. So we have different needs of the parents. I'd like for us now to look at some biblical foundations, some principles that will help us in our aims of what we're trying to do to equip parents spiritually. When we look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, we find this biblical principle that's going to help us in working with parents, and that is simply the principle of honoring parents. Both Old Testament and New Testament, God wants us to honor parents. Number one, we need to teach the teenagers to honor their own parents. There are going to be times when they disagree with their parents. There's going to be times when we'll disagree with their parents. But we always need to impress upon them, you first honor your parents. Number two, we need to honor their parents. We need to set the example in all of our dealings with the parents. And there's going to be times when we disagree. There's going to be times of conflict. But we need to always show honor in our dealings with the parents so that the children see that that's something that we live. We're not just teaching to them. We can do that by trusting the parents. In most cases, the parents have a deep and genuine concern for their children. They also know their children very well. And so we need to trust them. We need to be humble in, in dealing with parents. Uh, we need to go slow on giving specific parental advice unless we're asked. And uh, we need to make sure that we don't come across as knowing everything about parenting and, and, and family issues. We need to be positive. Uh, when we see something that a parent is doing that's good, let them know and build them up for what good is is taking place in their home when they see that you are encouraging them it's a lot easier for them to come to you when they're having problems and you can help them then with some of the issues that need to be changed or uh, corrected this is my dad Ray Frizzell and my grandson Ezra Frizzell um we show, when we show honor for our own parents, we give a great lesson to our youth group. They're watching us to see what we do. Uh, when I was at Jackson Park, there is a picture in my mind that I associate with honor for parents or for grandparents. We had a young man that every Sunday night would uh, help his grandmother go out to the chapel to take the Lord's Supper and he would she was very frail and and uh, fragile and he would guide her lead her support her as, as they would walk out of the auditorium on Sunday night very simple thing but everybody in the congregation would always watch look at that as this teenage boy would be escorting his grandmother out to take the Lord's Supper it was just an image that was placed in our minds of honor. Uh, my dad has Alzheimer's disease and he's in a very difficult stage right now. I'm, I'm very aware that my parents need me now more than ever. Um, it's an opportunity for me to practice what I've taught. And our teenagers are going to notice that. We'll have these opportunities to show by our lives that we believe these principles, these biblical principles of honoring 
our parents. A second biblical principle is to put ourselves into the parents' shoes. This context of Philippians 2, verses 3 through 4, is that we are looking into the mind of Christ. Basically, we're looking at uh, this unselfishness of Christ, how he was able to consider the thoughts, feelings of others and uh, put others before himself. When we work with parents, if we can put ourselves into their shoes, it will help us to be more effective in equipping them. Uh, this is Isabel, who is a senior in high school. Uh, and this is Isabel uh, when she was two years too young to go to camp, but came to camp because her parents were on staff. When we look at the teenagers in our youth group, we see them at the age where they are now, but when the parents look at, it, at their child, it, it's always their baby, uh, their, their little child, their treasure. We need to keep that viewpoint when we're working with the teenagers. We're working with the most precious treasure that these parents have. Uh, you know, before we drive them anywhere, we need to remind ourselves we've got all these treasures with us you know, on this bus. Uh, whenever we are angry with those teenagers for doing something really dumb, uh, we need to put ourselves in the parents' shoes and remind ourselves this is a tr special treasure. Uh, this is their baby. Uh, and, and we need to have more, more compassion and love for that child. If we can do this and understand that parents naturally have this love for their child, they put up a lot of prayers for that child's safety. Uh, all of us are going to pray for physical safety and physical health and protection, issues like this. We can, we can understand and help those parents take the next step of godly love and help them understand that we need to also pray for their spiritual protection. There are things worse than physical danger. There are a lot of spiritual dangers. If we can help them to understand that that love can go to a higher level and that if they become spiritual leaders in their home, they can help protect their children by prayer, spiritual protection of their souls, that's important. Uh, we can do that when parents understand and trust us they, and they know that we have a perspective that can appreciate where they're coming from. There's another passage that you're very familiar with, Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. This is talking about how the home is headquarters for spiritual training. Um, when God was describing for the children of Israel how spiritual nurturance takes place, how children come to learn about who God is, it takes place at home. It takes place when you're getting up in the morning, when you're going to bed at night, when you're walking along the road, when you're taking care of all the daily chores and assignments, whatever you're doing, these things are being communicated about God to the children. And the, the home environment is the headquarters for all of that. We need to empower the parents. Um, so many times we're working with parents that feel so inadequate as spiritual leaders. Uh, just like the parents who feel like that's your department because you've been specially trained for that, they'll argue and say, I, I don't know the Bible very well and, and I'm not specially trained for these things. They don't know how to conduct a devotional. Uh, we need to empower the parents and say, this is your God ordained responsibility and uh, you are the one who can specially train your child I'm here to supplement and to assist but this is your responsibility parents need to know that they don't have to be perfect they don't have to have uh, the, the perfect devotional object lesson every night at home you know they, they, they just need to have a genuine faith in God. 
they need to, to have a pattern in their home so that when they are making decisions, they are always turning to see what God's will is and looking in Scripture to see how do we make this decision. When parents are just doing that on a natural, normal basis, that's a tremendous impact in the life of a child. Um, and we need to just help them, give them encouragement to empower them to do that. We can also help them, as we're going to discuss later, some of the practical suggestions about some of the resources that are available to them in helping in spiritual nurturance. Target fathers as spiritual leaders. God does. Uh, Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. We talked about this yesterday in the family ministry class. Uh, this prophecy about the coming Elijah, John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist had a purpose in his ministry of turning the hearts of the children to their fathers and the hearts of the fathers to their children. And if godly fathers are teaching their children, then there's going to be a, a, a restoration, a bringing back of the people of God to the Father. That emphasis is found also in the New Testament in Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers are given the specific responsibility of nurturing and training their children uh, in the Lord. A couple of fathers here who are doing a great job with their children. And uh, recently I asked these two men to help me in teaching a fathering class because I value them as men who are already there spiritually as leaders, uh, spiritual leaders in their homes. And they're great examples and influences and mentors for the other fathers in the congregation. They did a fantastic job with teaching this, this father's class. Uh, be on the lookout for guys who can, who can help. I want to just give you a couple of statistics and uh, some research that shows a little bit more of the importance of the fathers and their impact in their children's spiritual lives. This is from Search Institute's nationwide study of 11,000 teenagers. 12% of youth have a regular dialogue with their mom on faith or life issues. In other words, just one out of eight kids talks to their mom about their faith. It's much lower for dads. One out of 20 kids, or about 5%, have regular faith or life conversations with their dad. The reason I think that dads need more encouragement is that in most cases, I think moms are more t tuned in when it comes to spiritual nurturance of their, their children. I think dads maybe have not ever seen that example in their own life. Maybe they didn't have a dad who helped them spiritually, and so they just don't know. In Ron Rand's book, For Fathers Who Aren't in Heaven, he quoted a study that revealed that if both dad and mom attend church regularly, 72% of their children remain faithful. If only mom attends regularly, 15% remain faithful. But if only dad attends regularly, 55% remain faithful. God targets fathers to help provide a lasting faith with their children. We, we hear a lot about sticky faith. Dads, I think, are very important in this. In this. Yeah. 55% for dads. So we need to take a special interest in the fathers. Psalm 68, verse 5, Psalm 82, verse 3, describe God as father of the fatherless. When we follow God's example, we need to take seriously our responsibility to children who are fatherless. Some are fatherless because of the death of their father. Uh, these three beautiful uh, young ladies uh, lost their father in death when they were in elementary school. And uh, uh, they were blessed with a godly mother who did a great job of helping them. And uh, so many in the congregation took a special interest in, in these girls. They're great Christian young women today. There are others who are spiritual orphans because there's no spiritual leadership, no, no uh, guidance in their home. 
And so we can't afford to neglect these spiritual orphans. We can't adopt all the spiritual orphans, but we can certainly recruit a lot of spiritual coaches and mentors to help with fathering the fatherless and uh, talking about spiritually and helping them to fill that void. Finally, I want to look at this biblical aim, Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. Take the long view. Let's look at the generations still to come. I wanted to say that uh, you're sometimes going to get frustrated and, and disappointed because you may not seem to be making headway with the parents in helping them as spiritual leaders. Some just aren't going to be interested. Uh, don't give up. Don't get frustrated. Don't be disappointed because if you're working with teenagers, you're preparing the next generation of parents. So take the long view. You're doing something great right now. You're going to be influencing children and grandchildren that you'll never meet because you're working with their parents at the point where you need to be working with them. You're preparing them before they become parents to be spiritual leaders. So your work is valuable. What you're doing right now with teenagers, you're, you're preparing the, the parents of tomorrow. Uh, I didn't realize that when I was working with this guy uh, at, at Jackson Park when he was a, a little guy. But bad picture here, but that's, that's him and his family now and is 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 uh, he's very active in our youth committee and uh doing a great job with with his own kids but it's important that we take the long view when it comes to training i'd like for us now to kind of turn our attention to some practical ideas that will help us in dealing with equipping parents as spiritual leaders first of all if we're going to have an impact on parents, something we need to do is just build that relationship, be a friend, not an adversary. Uh, doors will open that will help us to equip them if we're first friends. Second, be a resource. Uh, sometimes parents just need a listening ear. And uh, we help them with also a, a different viewpoint of their children. You have a viewpoint that perhaps the parents don't have. And you can go to them and say, Hey, I saw your child doing something great the other day. Watch their eyes when you explain to them that good thing that you witnessed in the life of their child. Uh, they'll brighten up. Uh, it will make all the difference. But those good news reports are special for a parent. Uh, so share with them the good news. They get enough of the bad news. Uh, so encourage them in that way. Be a source of information to the parents. Uh, you will sometimes pick up on some peer influences that they may miss, and that's valuable information for them because peer influences can make a big difference. You're also probably more uh, aware of some of the teen culture dangers than some of the parents and uh, you can be a source of valuable information to let them know about some dangerous trends, uh, a drug, a drink, a group initiation, a location in town where nothing good happens. Uh, sometimes you'll know those things and the parents may not. You can help with that. A lot of you guys are very capable to help the parents in regard to technology, uh, the good and the bad and you can be a valuable resource to them in, in this regard as well. So be a resource to the parents. Spiritual parents need spiritual mentors. We talked yesterday in the family ministry class about how you are uniquely positioned in youth and family ministry to connect people in the congregation. You can connect parents with spiritual coaches, spiritual mentors. Uh, find out those, those parents who have raised spiritual leaders who have children who are, who are doing spiritual leadership now. Connect those who are young as parents with those who have a proven track record and let them talk. Say, hey, why don't you go talk to these parents about that? 
They've, they've done a good job. We need to find those people who have been through struggles with their children, but now are on the other side of that and can help with good advice. Uh, we can make those connections with people. Spiritual parents need spiritual food. It may not be your responsibility or your assignment in the congregation to plan the Bible school topics or the sermons, but you know the people who do. And you can pick up on some of the needs that parents have, some of the things that they need to study, and you can channel that to the preacher. You can channel that to the uh, guy who's in charge of the Bible school classes and say, hey, our parents could really use some help with this right now. They need to be fed spiritually in the congregation. We also can help them with just personal spiritual growth resources. Uh, we can give them information that, where they can learn how to feed their souls uh, with spiritual disciplines. Just like the teenagers, there's a lot of parents who really don't know how to study the Bible, who don't know how to pray. And so we can help them in simple ways with these types of things where they can grow spiritually and, and feed their souls. Spiritual uh, parents need family training. You know, it may not be your best assignment, uh, or maybe you don't feel qualified to teach a fathering class, a parenting class, a marriage class, but there are people that you know who can do this in the congregation and you can recruit them to help and teach these things. Spiritual parents need other spiritual parents. Just as it's important for teenagers to have a strong spiritual peer group, parents need a strong spiritual peer group of other parents. They can get acquainted when we provide opportunities for fellowship when we can connect these parents with each other. They can rely upon each other for help when their children are going through troubles in life. They can have confidence when they send their children to the homes of these other parents. And you know that they're going to be upholding the same values that you, that you uphold. It's so powerful when parents are committed to helping each other raise their children in the Lord and that's a powerful alliance when you have parents working together on behalf of each other and each other's families spiritual parents need spiritual growth resources for their homes like we said earlier a lot of parents just don't know how to conduct a devotional but there's a lot of great resources I have some handouts in the back that I would encourage you to pick up. Some of them are uh, just parenting and marriage and family resources. Uh, I have some sample home devotionals. Uh, there are a lot of great resources now that will help people with conducting uh, Bible studies and devotionals in their homes. Um, my son worked with a congregation in, in Fresno and a lot of the parents didn't know how to conduct a devotional in their homes. Andy wrote up a year's worth of, of devotional material for the families, and each week would have uh, three nights of an Old Testament idea, two nights in the New Testament, uh, one night with Psalms and Proverbs, and one night just specially devoted to prayer, family prayer. Uh, I've got a sample of a week that he put together on that. Um, there are some great resources that we can provide for parents that will give them confidence in, in training. Spiritual parents need to be plugged into the work of the church. One of the things that is important when it comes to children maintaining their faith beyond high school is the experience of seeing their parents and working with their parents in service to others, in service to the Lord, and uh, on a consistent, regular basis, acting out or living out their faith. <clears throat> when you think about the power of families serving the Lord together, 
Uh, you've seen the impact that it has when, when families go on mission trips together and they come back and there's a special bond that they have created. There's a special passion that they have for Christ and for the church and for the lost. Uh, it's, it's a powerful thing in the life of a family. I can remember in my own family growing up, uh, my dad was very involved in what they call cottage meetings. And uh, this was uh, personal Bible studies, evangelistic Bible studies. And so we would be involved as a family. And, uh, you know, he'd, a lot of times he would show the Jewel Miller film strip, and we'd work together with families. Um, that's something that, that made an impression on, on our family, on us as children. Spiritual parents recognize teachable moments. Sometimes we need to help them to understand how do you, how do you teach children at those special times. Deuteronomy 6 identifies that it can happen at any point during the day. When you get up in the morning, when you're uh, in bed at, at night, uh, when, you're, when you're driving in the car, uh, just listen to your children. And a lot of times those special moments will just be presented uh, by something that happened during the day. And if you just apply spiritual principles, there can be some great lessons have your eyes open to the blessings that God brings into your life and help your children to see those blessings that they have from God in their lives. It's a good thing to also share with the, the children the, the problems that we have experienced as parents as we've grown up and the problems that we're going through presently that we struggle with uh, and how God makes a difference in our lives through these problems that we're dealing with. Teachable moments. Uh, help parents to understand what it means to practice active listening uh, with, their, with their children so that the children will be more inclined to open up and talk more with their parents. Spiritual parents emphasize hope in their homes. One of the greatest attributes we can pass on to children is optimism. Not a blind optimism but an optimism that's based on hope in Christ. When we put our hope in Christ, as Christians, we always have something to look forward to. And uh, we, can, we can help parents to build optimism, spiritual optimism, in the lives of their children. And this is what's going to be the anchor that will hold through the storms of life. Uh, and we, we can look at life optimistically because we know what's beyond this life. No matter what we face, there are those spiritual realities, those eternal promises that will not change. And that's always giving us a positive outlook and optimism for heaven. Spiritual parents bless and affirm their children. Our, our our children get enough negative messages from this world. They need to get messages of affirmation, love, and blessing from their parents. A lot of times parents don't know how to do that. It can be just a very simple, I love you. Um, affirming children and, and making them feel secure that we approve of them. Uh, that's powerful. We see that example in the, the example of our Father in Heaven. Um, and this passage has made a great impact on so many people. On two occasions, God blessed His Son Jesus during His life here in this world. At His baptism, Luke chapter 3, verse 22, and on the Mount of Transfiguration, Luke 9, verse 35, uh, God spoke this blessing, uh, you're my son whom I love and you am well pleased. And at the Mount of Transfiguration added, listen to him uh, or hear him. Uh, a blessing is very powerful in the lives of children and we need to impress that upon parents as spiritual leaders. Uh, 
this became so important in our family that we incorporated uh, this into our nighttime bedtime ritual. And so uh, each night as we would put the children to bed, you're my son, you're my daughter, whom I love, and you am well pleased. It doesn't have to be that phrasing. It can be something completely different. Uh, there's a lot of different blessings that are, are given in Scripture uh, from the patriarchs to, to their children. Uh, and, and But the ultimate example, I think, is, is here how God blessed his, his son Jesus while he was here in this world. Two critical times, uh, his baptism and then on his way to the cross, uh, speaking to Moses and Elijah about what was about to happen uh, with his death. And then God speaks from heaven, you're my son whom I love, and you am well pleased. That's powerful. And uh, spiritual parents can have a great impact in the lives of their children if they regularly bless and affirm their children. I want to encourage you to equip parents. Keep in mind that parents don't have to be biblical scholars. They don't have to be perfect. They simply need to hunger and thirst for righteousness and for the Word of God. Children will notice if they see their parents regularly at home opening their Bibles and studying, trying to find out what God wants for their lives. Parents need to have that sincere, genuine faith uh, that shows that they trust God. And when children see that in parents on the bad days and the good days and see that consistency that they still trust God, that will have an impact. Parents need to be people of prayer. We can encourage them that when they pray and when their children hear them praying for them and for their future and for their future Christian mates and things like this are regularly on the prayer list, it makes an impact in the lives of the children. Uh, When the children hear them praying about current events, people who are struggling, that makes an impact. Parents need to show that decisions in the family are made based on what we find in God's book and that we regularly ask what would God's will be for us in this decision. And when the children are struggling with a problem, let's impress upon the parents. Bring them back to what would God want us to do in this situation. And finally, parents need to show their commitment to Christ, not just in the church building, not just one or two days a week, but seven days a week on a consistent basis. When children see that type of commitment consistently, it makes a difference. We can encourage parents to show genuine, simple, sincere faith, and that will make a difference in the lives of these children. I know you're tired, and uh, I appreciate your patient uh, listening. And uh, I'm going to pause here and ask if you'd like to add something to ways that we can equip parents, because I value your ideas in this. Anything that you would bring up that could help us? Actually, I have a minor question. What was the number one I said? Uh, don't be afraid, God. Uh, adversary thank you yeah that's right be a friend not an adversary to the parents any other comments or questions I think it's important Tim that you know, as youth ministers we, we to a fault we always gravitate to the kids it's just, just that's what we're drawn to and sometimes we really need to work on building relationships with the parents just to be able to be able to influence even some of these things. That's right. I mean, I was guilty. I mean, my first five years of ministry, as all the kids and totally neglected the parents. And, and now it's totally, well, it's not totally opposite, but, you know, I really see the importance of making sure 
that are really established through relationships with parents. And I've really tried to do it with, with your young parents. Mm -hmm. You know, we think maybe just a teenage kid, but you know, the younger you can start working with parents, they're off. Great point, Jerry. Yeah, the younger the better. And if they know you're their friend, uh, that's going to make it a whole lot better to influence them. Very good. Jerry? Jim, I, I, just a few of us. <laughs> uh, you and I know that the parents that you and I have today, our young people today in our youth groups, look to us as models of how we raised our children mm -hmm. on how they will raise their children. Mm -hmm. So you guys that don't have children yet and are having children, be the model parent that your other parents will mimic you. It's, cru it's crucial. We know how, you know how to raise children. You've raised two great children. I'm not ashamed of that. I've raised a great daughter. We know how. And we want that same type of model for our parents. Be involved. Uh, and, and let me say this, that... Uh, those of you that don't have children yet, uh, take on that parental viewpoint, and they'll appreciate it. And uh, also, if you will try to work with them, and uh, early on, when you see that in, in your family life, you're beginning, you know, your family. If you approach them and say, hey, I'm trying to learn how to do this, let's get together as a group and work on this together. That's powerful. Uh, you know, to, to make a, a group of parents. Uh, Janie, Janie started when our children were real young uh, with a Bible study group with other young moms. Wow, that group. They're still meeting today, and they're they have always taken a special interest in each other's kids, and uh, that's a powerful group of friends right there. Uh, you know, and as, as dads, we started a fathering group when our children were very young. That's that's special. That that group of, of dads. So well, all along the way. Uh, work on this and uh, recruit. How do you, in trying to do that with the, the schedules, the families, and the busyness, I mean, how do you kind of, how, what advice would you give for me if I wanted to start that with some of my peer, you know, fathers or even some other groups? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I really hear what you're saying because. Our buckets are full just working with the teenagers, aren't they? Uh, just trying to keep up with all that. Uh, I, I think as much as we can, try to utilize things that are already in place. Uh, you know, if, if you can build a Sunday school class around uh, a parenting or, or a fathering theme, uh, these guys are already going they've already carved out that time they're going to be together for that build on that um, and you know some of your activities you may want to uh, tweak a little bit or change so that you bring more parent involvement into the youth program so that you're establishing more of those relationships on an ongoing basis um, I know with with, with Janie and these women, sometimes they would just make it a priority to get together, bring their children, and uh, sometimes they would get a, a, t a teenager to watch the children while they had their, their Bible study. But uh, there's a lot of different ways. Somebody else may have some other thoughts and ideas about this. Good, good question. Because I know it's hard to, to bring all this together don't believe that you're the one that has to do it yeah that's that's true Jerry because uh, we need to utilize our resources in the congregation or maybe outside the congregation you may have a need to bring someone from outside 
who can lead that uh, parenting class or the, the marriage enrichment weekend or something like that. That's good. Um, I guess in relation to that, and getting parents maybe involved, especially in the Bible class setting, what are some ways that, that you utilize to kind of empower them? I feel like I've got parents that could do a good job, but they don't feel empowered or they don't feel like equipped enough to handle a teen group mm-hmm. of class do, you know, a quarter or mm-hmm. even to put somebody with them, they still don't want to do it. Yeah. I think that's a great question because you can see their potential. You can see that that talent in them. I, one thing that I, I think is helpful is a lot of times I'll bring in a prospective teacher who maybe just is not confident enough to work with one of my better teachers or, or even sit in with me and we kind of work together for a while. And then, you know, kind of slowly you give them more and more. They're building confidence, and they're also learning from the established teacher, too, uh, how this is done, and they're picking up some things. Uh, so I, I would I'd approach it that way. Just try to build their confidence, give them experience, and then empower them say, hey, man, you're good. You're, you're ready to go. You can do this. Here. Um, we've started uh, at 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoons. We have a teaching teachers class where we... Uh, we get some educators out of the congregation that have been doing it for a while in the public school system, not just in the church. <coughs> we, uh, we've invited teachers that we think would be great, and we just have a 45-minute session with just ways to improve, ways that we can teach. It's going well. It's been, it's been about two months now. And uh, those, are the, those are the people that we plan on plugging in on Wednesday nights. And it's, it's gone well so far, but it's a possible tool for those parents that you're giving them the information they need, the techniques, plus they're getting... They plan the Bible class then, so amongst those guys, we're planning the class that they're going to teach, and we rotate them out. That's good. Great idea. Thank you. Thank you for being in here. I uh, appreciate your time. I'm going to let you go. And, uh, <laughs> how about that? Ooh.